Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Anthony of the Gospel. It's good to be with you again this week. And we are going to be talking about prayer of the righteous. And this is uh, something that we, you know, first week, last week, we talked about prayer, what it is, that it's a toward wish or intent and so we kind of walked through that we, we showed you through um, Elijah's life where he spoke something into existence and he he made a, a toward vow right when he spoke to King Ahab that it would not rain until he he said and then you know fast forward and we can see what happened as a result um, about a chapter and a half later and you can see that, again, he just took another vow, right, and then it rained. So a lot of times we can assume that he he prayed, right? But if we look at it for what it's saying, it says that he, Elijah was a man of like passions, and he prayed, and it didn't rain, and he prayed, and it rained. So when we see the actual evidence that, that James is writing from, and you can see that he made a declaration, right, that vow, and that's what God honored. So today we're going to be looking at a very well-known verse, and it's James 5.16. And if you're on the website, you can go ahead and click and download the notes so you can see where I'm at and where I'm going. Um, there's a resource that I use from Scripture, the number four, all.org. And it's called the Interlinear Scriptural Analyzer. And it sounds like something Marvin the Martian put together, right? <laughs> he had this little gun, and he would always have some sophisticated name for it. I'm assuming he's probably the one who named it the Interlinear Scriptural Analyzer. <laughs> There's also a two, and that's uh, three for today. So I'm going to just go ahead and read the passage. I'm going to break it down. And I, I want you to, to begin to just look at this honestly with me so you can see exactly what Scripture says compared to what people have made it to say. And it just brings to light many things. So I'm reading from the ESV, and it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then the second part of the verse is, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You can't take the second part of the verse unless you look at the first part of the verse. So it says, therefore confess your sins, which we know means, if you do some uh, research, it means missing, right? So they confess your missing, your sins, your offenses, your, your mistakes. Um, I've even seen the one translation to one another and pray for one another. So you pray for one another that you may be healed, right? So what happens? It's a you know I have been worthy, and 
I didn't know I offended Dorothy. But Dorothy comes to me and says, you know what, you really offended me when you said this. And I said, you know, and I just say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean that, right? Because what if Dorothy needed prayer for something? And because of the offense, and this is something very interesting to look at, what Jesus talked about so much concerning this, this topic is he says, forgive, even 70 times 7, right? Forgive that you may be forgiven. Now, isn't this interesting? That here we find the exact same concept. Fast our faults, our, our mistakes, our sins to one another. So we can pray for one another that, that you may be healed. You'll be, made, you'll, be made, you'll be set free. And I've seen this on a regular basis. Because there's some people I know um, that because of certain situations, whatever, they stress out and they get so upset concerning situations that honestly would be completely taken care of if they communicated. They communicated their thoughts, their emotions, their feelings, um, instead of holding them in and then venting to other people who are not even involved in the situation. Right, so technically it's gossip, right? Because it's somebody who has no part in what's going on, and they're hearing you're dumping all this stuff on them, and if you're not careful, it can lead to them being offended with the person. And the perfect story for this is it's actually a joke, kind of, but this man. He, his dog was old and he was dying. He had some disease and basically they said, well, you can put him to sleep. He said, no, no, I'll take care of him myself. We can't. Some person put my dog to sleep. And so he takes him and he tries to work up the courage to end his dog's life. And he couldn't do it. So he calls his best friend. His best friend was with his buddy. And they drive over to the man's house. So the best friend, let's call him Joe. Joe and Bob, they're they're the Bob's the buddy, right? So Joe goes there and talks to him, talks to the, the owner of the dog, comes back out with the dog, puts him in the bed of the truck, and doesn't say a word to Bob. He gets back in the truck. Bob's waiting in the truck, you know, sitting there in the truck waiting for him. And all of a sudden they drive out into the middle of nowhere, and Joe just looks at Bob and he starts complaining. He, he tells, because he's still in this man's property, you know, and he's like, you know, I, I've done so much for for my friend, and he's so ungrateful, and, and, and like, he just starts getting worked up. But Joe is doing this in his own mind to get the nerve to just shoot the dog, because he couldn't just shoot the dog for no reason, right? But he was being a good friend on killing the dog, so... So his best friend wouldn't have to. Well, Bob's hearing everything. And finally, he just jumps out the truck, grabs his his gun. Obviously in Texas, right? Grabs his gun, pulls the dog off the back of the truck, and he he goes, I'm so mad. And then, boom, he shoots the dog. And Bob had jumped off the truck as well when he did this. And all of a sudden, he heard, boom, 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 boom. 
He's like, what, what was that? He goes, man, you got me so mad I just shot four of his cows. So what happened because he didn't communicate. Joe didn't communicate to Bob why he was saying this, what he was doing, or anything. It didn't just cost the man his dog. It cost him four of his cows on top of it. Right? So if we're not careful, we can actually cause ailments within ourselves, and I'm, this is my point that I'm getting to, where we, we do damage because we stress out and we hurt um, internally that it manifests physically. And I've come into these different situations and I've laid hands on these people and they get healed, but then back because the root of the issue was never dealt with and that they needed to communicate and talk and sit down and exactly walk this out. Therefore, confessing this to one another and praying for one another that they may be healed. And this would have solved everything. This is here for purpose. Because the people who've done this and they go back and they reconcile, all of a sudden, there's no more animosity. There's no more stress. There's no more worry and, and fear and doubt and everything else. So as a result, they get healed. Now, so the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is DSB, right? So you might hear that the, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. The fervent prayer of the righteous, right? So here we're going to go back to our notes, and we're going to see exactly what it says. We're going to see that it doesn't say fervent prayer. That's something that was placed in there. But we are going to talk about what it actually says. And so looking at the notes, we're going to break down the passage. So the, the very first, uh, I'm just going to read it. It's going to sound like Yoda, okay? I'm going to let you know. It's going to sound like Yoda. It's going to sound backwards. But you'll be able to understand pieces of this. If you just slow down in your mind, I'm going to read this slowly, and you can hear exactly what is being conveyed. This is, ye be out of vowing, right? He said, be confessing then to one another the missing, the sins. And be praying over one another. How which, or so that, you may be being healed. Much is being strong, Titian, of just one in acting or operation. So this is interesting because the word there is actually petition, and when it says praying, we know that it means it's word wish with our intent, right? We, we declaring, uh, wishing, and sending over one another that you may be healed. So you can declare to somebody, be healed. I forgive you. Your sins are forgiven, right? And as a result, the person is healed and set free. But it says, much is being strong. Now, the word there for strong is iskis. It's one of the words for power in Greek. And it really means strong. So this is why the, I, I, the only way I can explain fervent is that it's a, it's a strong. Right? But when we look at the context and see what it says, a much as strong petition of the one in acting. So how, how, how can we read that to where it makes a little more sense? Okay, 
Now, this is a hyperreal translation. This is in, but it should help a little more. And this is page two of your notes, the very top. So then being confessing to one another, this, and ye be, uh, be ye praying over one another so that you may be healed. Much is being strong, the petition of the just one, duration or enacting. Right? So you can see, I put in some marks there to kind of make it, uh, allow it to make a little more sense. And so when you read this, and you read it slowly, being, this is, much is being strong, the petition of, of a just one operating and acting. So when we look at the whole verse, and we can see the context of what's being stated. It, it made me think of, what is the real question? The real question is, just, the just one, right? Going back, I realized the question is, what is righteousness? What is righteous? What is justice? What is, or, or just? And even though they seem completely different, they're, they're definitely synonyms that we can find throughout, you know, Webster's Dictionary or Oxford Dictionary. We can see that these are very closely related and they have very similar meanings. So if you actually go back into um, some of the scriptures where you find the word righteous, it actually means just. Where you find the word righteousness, it means justice. And if you go to other languages like Greek or Hebrew, I mean not Hebrew, but uh, Spanish or, or German or others, they translate it as justice. But only in English do we translate it as righteousness or righteous. Right? So, so let's look at the word that's used, as you can tell from the diagram. Um, on page one, it has the strongest G numbers. Right? For just one. And it's G1342. And I look at the other molecule because it's important to know what the word meant back in the day. When translating this, what what word, what exactly did each word mean during that time? Not what we make it mean today. Because if we're honest, let's look at the word gay. Fifty years ago meant happy. It was in many literary works as happy. When you say gay today, it's completely different, right? So you can see how the meaning of the name can change drastically in a short amount of time. So it's important to go back and look at the etymology, the history of the definition, and where it came from, where it derived from, to know exactly what they're referring to. So the just one, right? In, in etymology, it says late 14th century, means morally upright, righteous in the eyes of God, justifiable, equitable, equitable, sorry, impartial, fair, conforming to rules, as marked or characterized by precision, exact, having correct dimensions from old French, uh, just, righteous, sincere, 12th century, from Latin, justus, which means upright, righteous, um, equitable, in accordance with law, lawful, true, proper, perfect, complete, for is is a right, especially a legal right or a law. Right. So as I begin looking at this, I need to realize someone who's just is someone 
who does what's right all the time. Right? So we see exactly what to in a second in James five sixteen, it kind of it brings everything together and makes perfect sense. Let's look at the word justice and righteousness really quick before I do that. Now to G thirteen forty three. It says the exercise of authority and vindication of right by assigning reward or punishment. Also, quality of being fair and just, moral soundness and conformity to truth. Some old French justice, justice, legal rights, uh, jurisdiction, and from Latin, that was from the 11th century, from Latin, justitia, something like that, which means righteousness, equity. Um, or upright and just, right? Righteousness is just the rightness of God, the rightness of God in your spirit, the rightness of God in your soul, the rightness of God um, of the body, the rightness of God in your affairs, in your home, business, and everywhere. Not a question mark. I need to remove that. Sorry. And so he's making a statement. He's saying it's doing what's right all the time in every place. So when we hear the righteousness of God, we become righteous of God in Christ Jesus, means we always do what's right. This is why James in another place says, if you know to do right, you do to that to you, that is sin. Right? Because you're supposed to do what's right all the time. So looking back at James five, sixteen, we see that it is strong and powerful on because of the one who's praying is just. The one speaking it is speaking as a mouthpiece of God, declaring it so on the earth, and it happens. We see this with Elijah, because we go to this verse, that's exactly the, the example he's giving. So when we, when we kind of go back and we look at this, you have to see what is being said and who it's referring to, right? And the example that it's referring to, it's referring to you. It's referring to me. It's referring to every believer, not a doubter, a believer. And this is the biblical principle that I want to get at today. I'm going to drive at today. I know I moved a lot quicker through my notes than I expected, but I, I want you to begin to understand that God wants to answer your prayers more than He wants uh, than we want them answered. More than you want them answered, He wants to answer those prayers. How do I know? Because it says God watches over His word to perform it to everyone who believes. His eyes go to and fro, looking for someone to stand in the gap. Go back and look at the whole set. He's looking for someone on earth to say, I will speak on your behalf, oh God. What is true, what is just, what is righteous. And we see God through this lens, it changes everything. You begin to realize that when the judges of the Old Testament, when the prophets, the kings, when they spoke a true and just 
judgment blessing, it was perfectly in line with God's will. He is just, he is righteous, he loves to bless. It's just who he is. So now think about it for a second. Everyone knows God is good enough to watch, to see who's willing to believe his promises and speak them forth. Is that you? Is that me? Who's willing to believe God's report? You find this in Isaiah 53, verse 1. And who shall believe our report? So you see what, what God is saying about himself throughout the Bible. He's saying, look, this is who I am. This is my character. This is my nature. I am just. I'm pure. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm, I'm good. I'm provider. I'm healer. He's all this goodness. He, he's perfecter in, in the perfect authority and the, and the righteous judge. And he's the prince of peace. And in all these things, and he's trying to get you to see and me to see exactly who he is, and that when your words line up with his words, now understand, I'm about to explain this in a second, when they line up with each other and you speak it forth, it becomes reality, it it manifests, it becomes a result on the earth, okay, so let's think about this, can you say anything you want, yes you can, you believe in everything you say. You know, sometimes we say things that are lies. We may be lying to ourselves. And this is something the church needs to really do some inventory in their, within themselves and say, Look, am I lying to myself? Do I truly believe? Do I truly trust? Because we can spot out rhetoric like politicians and act just like them. Also, by not following through on what we have spoken. This is not just inside the church, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. The hypocrisy is everywhere. To point out one, in, one over the other is a joke and a fallacy argument. You say, well, it just happens in church. No, it doesn't. Happens in restaurants. Happens at Best Buy. Happens down the, down the street. It happens at the mall. It happens everywhere. It's hypocrisy. Why? Because it's part of man. It's part of fallen man. The fallen nature of man. It's everywhere. So I have to ask you a question. Can you guarantee me that everyone in the church is not carnal? If so, I wouldn't go to that church. Because that church should be growing on a regular basis, experiencing the supernatural on a regular basis, and just just seeing God do amazing things. But what's our reality? 
our reality is we lie to each other. We, we paint on a face. We just like a masquerade. We smile. We wave. Say hello. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. But inside, we're completely defeated. We feel alone. We feel like nobody understands. I know. I've been there. Tired of losing. Day in and day out, losing. Wondering if God was even hearing my prayer. Wondering why he never answered any of my prayers. And it left me in this cycle, this, this rat race, hamster wheel, where I was running and running and running and going nowhere. So why do we continue to do things that lead us to the exact same spot we started? Isn't that craziness? Why don't we pay attention? Why don't we slow down and read scripture and begin to understand what we're reading and say, I believe that. I choose. I resolve within myself to believe that. Because it's this simple. We want to complicate it. We want to make it so out there and unattainable and and make sound make God seem like he's so mysterious and, and nobody could know him. Well, we know that's not, that's all a lie because of First Corinthians chapter two. He's given us His Spirit. We know His mind. We know His thoughts. We know the core, the essence of Him because of His Spirit. So here's the biblical principle. This is this is what unlocks that is just transcendent. And if you can understand this, if you can begin to apply this to your life, it'll revolutionize your prayer life. And it's simply this. When you believe and speak something, it has power. It is strong. See, here's the issue. We have created our own prisons. We have created our own realities. If there's drama in your life, it's because you allowed it, you created it. How? By your own speech. Because you believe it. And because you believe it, you begin to speak it, and then that creates reality. You know, I was listening to a sermon this past Sunday on, on the two-edged sword. They could use it now. In the book of Revelation. And the, the interesting, if you ever study your two-edged sword, it means... It's not like your kitchen knives, which has a one edge, but that it cuts both ways. That's why it's called a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. So when you think about it, God is answering our prayers. All honesty. Think about this. He's answering your prayer when you speak negativity. Because he's just and he's not impartial. And that becomes your reality. And then we want to turn to God and blame him for the circumstances we find ourselves in because we created those ourselves? Or do you believe God, agree with his word, and speak his word over the situation 
I'm not telling you to deny facts. I'm telling you to change the situation by agreeing with God's word and speaking over the situation, knowing what his word says, choosing to believe his word, and it changes the reality over and over and over. I've seen this in finances. I've seen this in healing. I've seen this in relationships. I've seen this in many areas. Everybody else is like, oh, no, just be blue. Oh, it's, you're, you're foolish. You're crazy. How can you do this? How can you, you know, travel without buying a ticket and have no idea how you're going to get back? How can you do that? God's word. God says that he provides all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm in Christ Jesus. So that qualifies me. It qualifies you. So instead of looking at your bills and, 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 or debt and trying to figure out, well, how am I going to do this, right? Well, look, you're putting everything on you. Well, God says he provides. You're putting everything on you for your healing. What is God who's healer? Putting everything on you doesn't solve the problem. It only creates stress. We were created to hold on to stress. This is what destroys your body, breaks down your body, breaks down your soul. This is why it's an effective weapon of the enemy. And the sad thing is the church hasn't clued in. Tell you is, you keep speaking until you believe. But that goes against the Bible. That's counter-biblical. Why do I say that? Because of Second Corinthians 4, 14. Now look what it says. It says, since we have the same spirit of trust, according to that which was written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Can speaking isn't going to get you into believing. That's not the way it works. You resolve within yourself to trust, believe, adhere to, wholly, completely rely on his word. God is healer. God is righteous. God is truth. God is resurrection. God is life. No one else. This is the thing When God started revealing this to me And I began to understand it People after You know after people start seeing that Man you pray for something and it happens Or you know you lay hands on someone And they get healed People start looking to you To be their source I'm like, why are you coming to me when you can go directly to the source of life? You too can have this connection. 
What if I'm not here? What if I'm unavailable? What if I'm busy? can believe God, believe his word, and dive into his word. Say, God, you know what? I, I can unconditionally surrender to you. I'm no longer holding back. I'm no longer trying to understand and comprehend everything that you need. Just wipe the slate clean and teach me who you are and how to stay surrendered. Let me be completely emptied of myself, but full to the brim with you. Plead unconditional surrender. You understand? The difference between conditional surrender and unconditional surrender. Most people come to God with conditional surrender. God, if you get me out of the situation, I will let my life lead. That's conditional surrender. So there's conditions that need to be met by God in order for you to surrender. Right. And how long does that last? I remember being in school and saying, God, I need you to help me with this test. Next time I will study, but this time... And he helped me with the test. Did I study for the next one? No. He knew that. He was having mercy on me. He was showing me his love. Unconditional surrender. There's no conditions. Lay it down completely. Say, God, take all of me. You know best. I unequivocally surrender my life to you. Give myself completely to you. No one else. Just you. I trust you. I obey you. When I read your word, I automatically believe that it's absolute truth. This is what we need to get off to. When we know that God's word is true, then it happens. Look, I was talking to God about the past couple of days. And um, it's, it's been phenomenal. It's been really awesome. Because there's just some truth here that I've never really paid attention to with such detail. And so I want to take you to the mount, um, sorry, not the mount, but the wilderness when Jesus is being tempted to the devil. The devil tells Jesus, thou thou worship me, right? And I will give you all these kingdoms in the earth, for authority has been given unto me. And it doesn't say dominion, it says authority, which is interesting. Right, because there's a lot of dominion authority teaching out there, but this is what I want to pose to you, and I want you to study out. So go back to Genesis chapter three. You find that the devil presents himself as an authority to Adam and how can I say that? Because he said the exact opposite of what God said, as if he knew better than God. So he presented himself as a person or a being, and what happened? It was given to him. 
by Adam and Eve when they chose to believe the devil over God. So this this is a problem because now fallen man's mind gives the devil's words authority in its life. This is the fallen nature. Think about it. Fallen man's mind gives the, the devil's words weight, gives the devil's words um, dominance, and they're predisposed to think in line with the devil. Doubting God, calling God a liar, attacking his character and his nature. Isn't it interesting? But brother, beloved, that's no longer you. You're no longer a child of disobedience. You have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit of Christ. You have the spirit of God. You know his thoughts. You've been made one with him. Just as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Not when you get to heaven. Here, now. This simple principle. This biblical principle that you can see all the way throughout Scripture. And it's understanding when you truly believe you can step out on the end of the branch where the fruit is without any fear, without any hesitation, without any reservation and say, this is absolute truth and my God is going to prove it. Have you thought about Elijah when he went before the prophets of Baal? He had such a conviction, such an, an, a command of authority that he was mocking the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. Maybe God, you're going to the restroom. Maybe he went on vacation. Maybe he didn't sleep. Maybe he's in the other room. Right? Here he is using such vulgar language with them, mocking them, laughing at them, jeering at them. And when it came to his turn, he was like, let me make it tougher for God to come through. Pour more water. Pour more water. Pour more water. Call them God. And fire comes down from heaven. And it says it lit up every drop of water, every drop of moisture. And consume the offering on that altar. Bring up everything. How did he know that was going to happen? What was his mind, his thoughts, his intellect? What about Prophet Samuel? Daniel. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Abraham. Peter, Moses, all of them, the enemy Agabus, Barnabas. How did they know something was going to happen, that God was going to come through because they were believing him, because they were in a place where they had to understand it was going to happen? 
Did God give them some special vision? Did he speak to them audibly? Did he show up every single time to give them specific instructions because they were so incompetent? If you go back and look, you actually look at it from an objective point of view. You see that they had relationship with God. You have relationship with God. Listen to him. Pay attention. Read his word. I'm telling you. Because when you believe his word, you read his word. You choose to believe it. You choose to give it dominance. And, and, and that you're predisposed to believe his word over anything else. And you run to him. You run to his word. And you speak his word over the situation. Not in a hope, as in maybe yes, maybe no. But it is in a certainty and an expectation that it's going to happen this way and not some other way. It begins to manifest in your life. And the only thing for you to do is to do your happiness because you know what's coming. You know that God's about to show up. God's about to show up. God's about to come in on your behalf. And manifest the words that he spoke through your mouth because you're agreeing with his word. Mm. So it's like this believing is like a clutch in a car. Now, if you haven't ever driven a manual car, then you might not understand this. But basically, when you push on the clutch, it it doesn't allow the car to drive. It takes the power away. Why do we have that? Because you shift into another gear, you re-engage the clutch, boom, instant power. Then you take off. You start driving, right? So the question is, Is what is the shifter? Well, the shifter is speaking. You give it direction. You say something and you speak, and it goes in a specific direction. It can go straight, it can turn, it can go in, in, in different places. So, when you begin to look at it from that point of view and pay, pay attention to that, then it makes perfect sense because you can see that your speaking is what is the tail or the rudder, as James put it, that that leads you in certain directions. Hello? So you can shift all you want, but unless you engage the clutch, you won't go anywhere. When you believe what you speak, then it happens. People get what they, what they speak all the time. They don't realize it because they're always speaking and believing negativity. God is answering their prayer. Change your prayers. Change your life. Agree with God's word. Speak God's word. And this will become your reality. You'll begin to see this on your basis. You'll begin to see the power of God flowing in you and through you in every aspect. It becomes powerful. Why? Because you're doing what's right. You're saying what's right. You're agreeing with justice. You agree with God. 
You speak your force. It happens. You have no doubt that it's God's will because it's his word. So it says, to know the will of God, read the word. Read the Bible. To do the will of God, do the word. It's simple. Don't overcomplicate it. It's simple. His word is just as powerful coming out of your mouth as when it came out of here. When it comes out of here. So you speak his word with full conviction that the one who promised it is able to fulfill his promise because he is who he says he is. He does what he says he can do. And it's simple. The simplicity of it all. God wants to show off on your behalf. He wants to show you that every promise listed in Scripture is his word, is his promise to you. It's his promise to your family, to your neighborhood, to your city, to your state, to your country, to the world. To each and every person. This is what makes it powerful. This is what makes it strong. Is being able to stand and speak because you believe. Full conviction. Doesn't, doesn't matter what circumstances are saying. Doesn't matter what they're yelling at you. Or the pain. Or the fear and the intimidation that the enemy is trying to bring into your life to get you to get your eyes off of God's word. You need to turn from that and turn back to God and say, God, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I am in your kingdom under your protection. I am your son, your child, your your daughter. And I give this debt to you. I give this sickness. I give this worry, this fear, this depression, this anxiety. I give this all to you. And as you do that, as you surrender these things over to God, he steps in. He creates the change because he's performing and doing his word in which he is faithful to perform and do. Believe his word. Check yourself. Trial or, or something major comes into your life and it disrupts your life. Check yourself now. Do I truly believe that God is my source? Do I truly believe that he provides me? Do I truly believe that he is healer? 100%. Do I truly believe and go back to scripture and say, this is where I'm basing my belief off of. Only scripture. Nothing else. Not experience, not anything else, because his word is absolute truth, and I can be sincerely wrong in my experience. You choose to believe. 
And then you begin to see his word become alive and transform your life. Transform how you walk, how you see yourself. I'm telling you, this biblical principle has changed my life. Still learning to walk it out. I'm not having to achieve everything. I'm still learning in many areas how to walk this out. And that's why I can't give you a formula. I can't say do A plus B and this would equal. No, because every person is different. Every person has different backgrounds and situations and, and different things that they they come up in or stepped in or have been ingrained to the, into them. And it's all different because we've all processed and handled the information different. But the same principle is the same. The principle is the same each and every one of us that we must choose to believe God's word. And when we believe God's word as we stand here on the earth, made from the earth, that he gave us authority to create and have dominion of everything around us except for other people, right? Then we can step back into what he originally created us for into our intended purpose for his glory. Creation, it waits for us to begin to manifest the sons and daughters of God. Because we have the ability to change the very soil around us, the atmosphere, the thoughts give us that ability. Make your heart peaceful and full of love. Come on. This is what God created us for. To represent him on the earth. That he placed his spirit in all of us who believe him. Who walk with him. Who surrender to his son. I'm telling you. So simple. To walk away from the bad experiences and the lies and the excuses and, and everything else we try to hide behind. And just come face to face with God. Completely exposed. To God, this is where I'm at. How do I get to the full understanding of who you are in me? How do I get to the place? Will you continue to manifest yourself in me and through me 100% all the time? How do I get to a place where I never stop seeing your goodness? How do I get to a place where I never stop sharing your goodness? These are questions. We need it. These are the questions we need to pursue. God is not holding back anything from you. He gave you everything. He gave you his own son. How would he not give you everything else? Tell me, powerful. This is amazing. 
believe in speech. The mouthpiece of God, the oracles of God. Believe and declare. Knowing his word. Knowing his nature and his character. Believe and speak. There's a man of God, I was hearing his testimony, he went into a Mongolian prison, some of the worst prisons on there. And they all were kind of in front of him, mocking him. So he tells him, look, I'm going to preach a word. I'm not going to preach a word to you. Because, let's be honest, you probably heard it all before. And they agreed with him. He says, bring me your 10 worst people who need healing. The 10 worst cases. Bring them up here. And they all knew each other because it's uh, the way the prison is. And they brought up the 10, worst, 10 worst people who needed healing. Diseases. All kinds of stuff. He goes, if my God doesn't heal them all, then he's not a God to be served. No, walk away. I won't preach a word to you. But if he heals them all, then you said you listen. You will know that my God is real. She hops down off the platform, lays his hand on the first person, completely healed. Next person, completely healed. These people were twisted. They had all kinds of issues. I mean, this very sick. No medicine. I mean, no, no modern medicine or anything there. You don't go there. And all ten, ten for ten, completely healed, standing straight up. And he had the entire audience. But he made that declaration. That God would heal them all. He knew, he understood God's nature and character. He knew from the beginning God was going to heal them all. Because he knew God's nature and character. God started talking to me about not focusing on laying hands on the girl. Because sometimes, you know, be honest, I can use that as a crutch. Because I see in scripture where Jesus laid hands on everyone in multiple sections of the Bible of the Gospels. So it was like, okay, this is his method. So I was doing that and God said, no, I don't want you to lay hands on anybody anymore. I want you to to speak open. Okay, God, I know what you told T.L. Osborne, you know, can can I heal two at a time, three at a time, five at a time, ten at a time, hundred at a time, thousand at a time? So I go, yes, can. And then he begins praying over people, and that's why that was the case. So I'm in Brazil. God had been dealing with me on this. And at the end of one service, it wasn't even a healing service, but at the end of one service, God told me healing over all the people that were going to be praying that night. So a lot of them needed to be healed. I said, okay. So, all right, this is what's going to happen. You're just going to lay hands on yourself. 
Mine are touchy. Because we were outnumbered anyway. We would have been there until the healing service, praying for people. And um, so I just declared God's word to them. Be healed in Jesus' name. And next thing I know, I said, all right, who's, who's healed? A few hands go up. I go, no, unacceptable. Let's pray again. So we prayed again. I said, right, who's healed now? Every hand went up that went up before. The entire room. Jesus healed them all. I said, all right. We'll get some testimonies. They all came up. A bunch of them came up and they gave testimonies. I wouldn't say they all came up, but a lot of them came up and they gave testimony what God did in their life. Healed them all kinds of stuff. And I was like, wow, God. You are absolutely amazing. I believed his word. Well, what word did, did Jesus do that? Well, let's let's look at it. the serpent. Anybody who's bitten got bit by a serpent. They had to look at a, a serpent, bronze serpent on a pole. Millions of people. Some say three million. Some say up to ten to fifteen million. Walking. How many snakes are out there? Apparently, it was a problem if everybody was complaining about it. It wasn't one or two people dying. It was obviously more people than than expected. So how many of them looked at the pool? How many of them looked at the pool at the same time? I begin to think, hmm, it's true. What if 100 people looked at the pool at the same time? 1,000, 10,000. Said behind it, said God truly is powerful. We can do anything if we choose to believe Him, we choose to, choose to stand with Him and stand on His word. He comes through every time. Every time. And it's that simple. So I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has helped you in any way. Um, I can tell you, it's completely transformed my life. Any thoughts? Any feedback, Dorothy? Uh, that was excellent. I think we need to start taking God at his word, and we have to realize that the promises are ours personally. We have mm-hmm. to take him personal. And and it's like, you know when you've been married for a long time and you really know your spouse and you can pretty much predict their behavior because you know who they are? <laughs> well, yeah. I think our relationship with God has to be the same way. We We find out who he is through scripture. We know how he acts. We know what he wants. And and just you know that that's it's as simple as that, you know, yeah, just taking is. him at his word. So yeah, a lot of people don't. They still think he's uh, waffly, 
but he's not. He he says something, he means it. Yep. You know. And he doesn't so, like once he says something, he says it. That's it. Yep. So that's all I've got. It was a very good lesson. Uh, you know, understanding that who we are in Christ, that we have his righteousness, means our prayer is righteous. It's it's especially when we're speaking his words from scripture. You yeah. know, there's a lot to be said for declarations and I I started doing it a lot, you know, about the the state of the country and the politics and everything and the mm-hmm. abortion. <laughs> Yeah, because it's easy to agree with the circumstances and the situation we're in now. Right? Right. Right. And so one thing, in all honesty, and this is the craziness of it, but God asked me a question time. He said, if the media wasn't pushing a story or a narrative, the country be where it's at. Because Absolutely are they not, not. are they not guiding people into agreeing with negativity or agreeing with positivity? Positivity. And so you have all these people watching the news and regurgitating, believing it as truth. And then saying the exact same thing. So they're declaring these situations into being. You ever thought of that? Yeah, I think of that a lot, especially, you know, I think strange. Um, I try and, and declare opposite of what the media is saying, you know, against the lies. And uh, I just mm-hmm. saw, a, I watched a Dinesh D'Souza YouTube today where he was explaining how the history has been taught incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start declaring that people start understanding history, American history, as it really was. You know, yeah. And but just like the abortion thing still has me upset, so I'm still working on that one because I don't want to <laughs> do it when I'm angry. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is, even the Bible it says you can be angry, just don't sin. Right. So I'm trying not to sin in my anger about all this abortion stuff because <laughs> I know I have learned. As I want to pray for my representatives, but their behavior is so bad, and I know if I don't control my tongue in my prayer about them, I can cause a lot of damage. Yeah. So. Very true. You can cause a lot of damage in the spiritual if you are not praying. Um, I don't want to say properly, but not praying. Perhaps the will of God. I know Father wants everyone saved, so if there's a possibility 
that these guys can be saved and come to repentance. That's what I want to pray. Yeah. But if if they cannot, I want them taken out of their sphere of influence on the people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think that would be pretty safe to pray. But I hear a lot of people say um, that they I they pray for people's deaths who are being bad. Do that because you don't know what factors are involved in their decision-making process. Right. You don't know how much free will they actually exercise. How deceived are they? You know? Right. Or if they're being blackmailed. Right. So... For all we know, the, the politicians, they're the ones who've been there for a long periods of time, they know how to blackmail people and put them in situations where they know that they can control them. So, yeah, I definitely don't pray death on anyone. <laughs> but just, you know, telling God, okay, God, like, what do you want to do in this situation? What, how, how do you want to handle this? You know, and then to say, the one thing constantly pray for a country is that it returns back to righteousness. Every leader, and I, everyone. I think we are. I think the silent majority is more in line with us than they are with the um, regressives that are in office. And and I'm very concerned about the spilling of innocent blood being held against the American people. I think that would be wrong because. They're praying against it, most of them, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, God sees it, and he sees that it's just a few pushing it on everyone else. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens and what transpires. But, yeah, like I said, everything is very simple. It's very easy. And it's just believing God and stepping out and doing his thing. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for everyone, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up, and we will see you next time. And uh, we're going to start talking about, we're going to start a new series uh, that's called um, Tearing Down Your Walls in the, in the, Tearing Down the Walls in the Promised Land. And so we're going to look at Jericho and, and how even though they entered into the promised land, there was still work to be done. So from there, I just want to begin to encourage people, you know, start tuning in, listen, because we're going to be going over some things that will help you understand how to remove the blockers and, and get the breakthrough in your life. For this season of your life, in the promised land, a lot of you believe that you've stepped into where God wants you to be, and now it's a matter of the goodness, the, the land flowing and looking for you begin to manifest in your life. And so we're going to talk about seeing that as a reality. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray, and we will be um, back in a couple of weeks. I will be in India, so I'll be pre-recording in, um, the the message with Dorothy here in the future. So it will be very good and 
it'll be awesome. You'll love it. I'll include the notes. And I hope you're enjoying the notes. Uh, leave feedback, please. Uh, any questions or anything, just please contact us. Okay? So let me pray for you. So right now, in Jesus' name, you be healed, you be whole, you be set free. Father, I thank you for supernatural debt cancellation now. I thank you for depression, just dramatically and immediately leaving people. That the need for lies and manipulation in people's lives just fades away right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, good night, Dorothy. Good night, everyone. Good night, Anthony. You have a blessed evening. And Father, bless everyone. And we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.